0: This is Keeping It 101, a Killjoy's Introduction to Religion podcast. For 2021-2022, our work is made possible through a public humanities fellowship from the University of Vermont's Humanities Center. We are grateful to live, teach, and record on the current ancestral and unceded lands of the Abenaki, Wabanaki, and Acosisco peoples. As always, you can find material ways to support Indigenous communities on our website.
1: What's up, nerds? Hi, Hello. I am Megan Goodwin, and I am a scholar of American religions, race, and gender.
0: Hi, hello. I'm Elise Morgenstein-First. I'm a historian of religion, Islam, race and racialization, and South Asia.
1: Umph! I am so excited for our episode today. But, I mean, like, I'm I'm excited about all of our episodes, obviously. But I am excited by proxy for this one.
0: Why? Why is this episode different from all other
1: episodes? <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the big questions, isn't it? Well, for, for two reasons. That's a Judaism joke, nerd. Sorry. <laughs> first, because you get to do something in your wheelhouse. Finally, it's a South Asian religion. And very exciting. So exciting. We have our first episode. For the first time in keeping it 101 history, we have a podcast all-star, our first ever returning guest joining us.
0: I know. It's history in the making. <laughs> I'm excited in the reverse order, to be honest, that Dr. Simran Jeet Singh is coming on again, is the literal best, yeah. and that he's coming on to talk sikki, the thing in which he is actually expert, is mm-hmm. even better. Shall we introduce him now or later, though?
1: Uh, no time like the present, I feel. Dr. Simrinji Singh is the brand new executive director of the Aspen Institute's Inclusive America Project. And you might remember him from such podcast episodes as episode 303, Simranjeet Singh Keeps Going, in which he talked about public scholarship and his best-selling, award-winning children's book, Foja Singh Keeps Going. We'll recommend his work in our homework also, obviously, and he's going to introduce himself later on in the episode. He is one of the leading experts on Siki, and we are so honored that he wants to spend time with us again, or that he's spending time with us whether you wanted to or not i guess he did he's too nice for us
0: <laughs> he's just he really is so lovely and i hope i actually really hope we didn't bully him too
1: hard to appear because
0: i think we could be um shall we say r- relentless
1: i think that's putting it kindly yeah but I, I think he totally wanted to come on and have a venue for sick dad jokes so
0: megan bad <laughs> megan no <laughs> megan no <laughs> Do not stoop to that level.
1: (laughs) Okay, A, the problem with spending any time with Simran is that you immediately sink to dad joke level, and B, you wrote that joke! You did it! I learned it by watching you!
0: Alright, fine. Sick joke. Ah. Let's move on and get into it.
1: I am your father's,
0: brother's, nephew's, cousin's, former,
1: lesson plan. <laughs> hey. Y'all probably know what we're going to say by now, but here goes. Today, we're talking about Sikhi, which some of you might better know as Sikhism for two reasons. First, because, like we've been telling y'all for all the episodes, religion is imperial. And Second, because we think you can't call yourself religiously literate without actually knowing what these religions are, how they came about, and why they matter why they matter to scholars, why they matter to regular folks, and why they matter specifically to their practitioners. And like African diasporic religions and indigenous religions, Siki often finds itself utterly, bewilderingly left out of world religions classes, textbooks, podcasts, and the general Western cultural imagination.
0: Yeah, so second or fourth verse same (laughs) as the first you may
1: have noticed nerds that our
0: thesis today the goal of our lesson plan is the same as it's been all season because yeah that's just what's happening this season deal with it
1: (laughs) sicky you're gonna learn some stuff which brings us to the 101 on today (laughs) the section where we do professor work so it's my turn to ask seemingly simple questions that could be answered in entire whole books why sicky Why is this part of our history of the world, religions, part one? Year. Yeah, it is
0: a whole year, man.
1: Yeah, it is. So we said this
0: a little already
1: in a few episodes. Episode 102 and episode 303. In fact, there's always space for a callback. Of course. Of course. So we've said this.
0: But Siki is, for me, one of the most obvious places to see how absolutely trash the world religions model is.
1: Yeah, sure is, sure is. But wait, 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 So we said this already about the trashiness of the world religions model that we're nevertheless teaching in forever. Uh, with indigenous religions, with African diasporic religions, is as the same? Does world religions as a model fail sicky in the same way it fails those vast traditions? Or is this a different kind of suckage?
0: I'm so glad you asked, Goodwin.
1: Frankly, I think it's, <laughs> Different,
0: no less racist or problematic, but different.
1: Good. just changing up our racisms today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, flavors
0: of racism.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. Here's Uh why I think it's different. Sorry, I'm stuck with it being like, I got a bogey flavored one. Anyway, Uh, go ahead. I mean, uh, like earwax probably, but like, Mm,
0: whatever.
1: Gross. I like that you went (laughs) for gross.
0: Let's hope. I mean, always vomit is like the ever looming Mm. um, Birdie bots mini flavored. (laughs) Beans or whatever.
1: Every flavor beans. Thanks. Okay. You're welcome. All right.
0: Here's why I think Siki is different. Okay. With African diasporic religions and indigenous religions, we saw the result of, obviously, imperialism, racism, colonialism in the lumping together of all these diverse practices into, and these are in quotes, but also in historical fact, lesser, minor categorizations. We also saw the formation of new hybrid religions, despite my itchiness around that word. I was
1: going to say, are you okay?
0: I'm not. I'm not, but I'm going to keep going. Okay. Due to those violent systems. But with Sikki, we see something super related and yet slightly different. With the religions we've covered so far, we saw a denial of their tenets because of the super hardcore racisms like mm-hmm, they're heathens mm-hmm. or they're idolaters or they're polytheists. Or flatly, they're just not Christians. And even if they were, they're the wrong race. Mm-hmm. With Siki, we see the denial of a religion that seems like it should fit beautifully into this model. It's monotheistic. It has a unique founder. It has a canonical central text. It has a physical buildings uh, where people go to do rituals and prayers. Megan, that must sound like something else to you, right?
1: I mean, place you go to do rituals and prayers plus central sacred text plus historical founder who's also a dude by the way plus monotheism equals christianity question mark judaism also question mark uh islam also question mark uh so uh, all of the like so-called abrahamic religions and also a little bit like buddhism minus the monotheism part so like yeah this this fits the bill yeah, precisely. So when we think about world religions and major religions, Siki
0: isn't left out because it didn't fit a white Christian model of what legit religions are in the way that we saw and see that denial with respects to loads of indigenous and African diasporic religions. And Siki isn't left out because it's too small. It's like literally, demographically, the world's fifth largest religion.
1: Okay, but... So what I... What I hear you saying is that if a religion like Siki can't, like, get a place in a world religions model, despite how well it fits all of those white European imperialist checkboxes, it, it fits, it does all the things! It does! So, this is yet more evidence that the world religions model is just racist and imperialist as all get up. Precisely that, yes. Oh. A plus. Oh, Cool, cool, great. Well, now I'm mad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Stay mad.
1: Because it sounds like you're saying that these rules, which we've already established truly a million times over, these rules about what counts as religion or what counts as a major religion or, like, a religion important enough to pay attention to, all of those rules are racist as fuck. Even, they're not even, like, l- logically applied. They're just, that's, that's cheating.
0: That is indeed what I'm saying. The rules are made up and the points don't matter.
1: Well, I don't, I don't care for that. (laughs) Nor should you. But I will respond to it. Let's move into what (laughs) Siki is. Mofu, can you, can you tell me some of the basics that we want our nerds to know about Siki? Apparently the world's fifth largest religion, except that nobody knows about it.
0: I mean, aside, aside from everything.
1: Yes, please tell me everything right now. No, keep it in your intellectual pants, kid.
0: All right. All right.
1: Well, let's start at the
0: top. Sikhi is a South Asian religion, meaning that it began and is rooted geographically, linguistically, historically in South Asia. Even more specifically in Punjab, which, like, we can have two seconds, okay? It's not the Punjab. It's just Punjab. We don't say (laughs) the New York.
1: I didn't know my mind is colonized i have totally been saying the punjab for years it's okay it's
0: okay the punjab is a weird british relic and i apologize to our british and english listeners punjab is also not that hideously racist turban servant Mm. in the musical annie which i'm directing at you you ginger theatrical nerd
1: Okay, if you really knew me, you would know that Annie is a particular sore spot because by the time my local theater community- You did not get the lead. It's not not just that I didn't get the lead. I was too tall. I was too tall. By the time they finally put it on, I was in seventh grade and I was too tall for Annie. But thank you for putting lemon juice in my theatrical soul uh, and the paper cut thereof. Anyway-
0: well, regardless, while your paper cut for Annie is both valid and I hear your concerns, the character in that show that wears a turban and is magic and his literal name is Punjab is a fucking problem.
1: That's, that That's a racism. That's, that's a, a racism. racism. Paper cut. It's much worse. Yes. It's it's it's
0: not just a flesh wound, it is a <laughs> problem. Oh, no. It is a region. Punjab is a region, literally Punjab means five rivers. Oh. And it's a region that now exists in the nation states of Pakistan and India. Okay. Punjabi is a language tied to region, like most South Asian languages, as well as an ethnicity. Punjabi is the language of most Sikhs, though of course not all. And for many Sikhs, not also not necessarily just the primary or first language they learn. Mm. And Punjabi is the main, but not singular, language of the Sikh holy textual tradition.
1: Okay, okay. So Sikhi originates in South Asia, specifically the region known as Punjab, no the... And Punjabi is a language that many but not all Sikhs speak, as well as the main but not only question mark, we'll talk more about that in a minute language of Sikh holy scripture.
0: You got it. I want to back up just a little bit because I got excited about regionality, as is my catnip. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sikhi traces itself to Guru Nanak, who was born in 1469 of the common era Mm -hmm. and is the first of 10 gurus or gurus.
1: It's our secret word of the day.
0: A lineage of spiritual masters, teachers, saints, uh, you name it. Uh Guru Nanak's teachings, which comprise part of the Sikh holy book.
1: It's our secret word of the day.
0: The Guru Granth Sahib. Center around refining the mind, heart, soul to seek connection to the divine. There's lots to say here, but for me, I think three simple teachings that show up across sick ritual and practice and texts are and I'm gonna I'm gonna number them out mm-hmm. number one sharing with others helping those who are in need so like eating together
2: mm-hmm. in
0: particular. number two earning an honest living without exploitation or fraud and number three meditating on the name of God so as to feel his and here it is masculine um, at least. Traditionally speaking, to feel their presence uh, and control the five thieves of human personality, which is my favorite translations.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I like that.
0: Uh, And those five thieves are uh, lust, wrath, greed, attachment, and pride. And for those of you who do South Asian stuff and are going to come at me with like wrath and lust and greed sounding a lot like uh, deadly sins and, Mm. and, and like an overwhelmingly Christian Yes, and those are the easiest translations for a freaking podcast medium. If you were in my class, I would put up the words and we would talk about multiple other definitions. But for now, I'm gonna stop right there. <laughs> I just love the uh, idea of five thieves. Like I that's love so that much so better much. than like sins. It's like, no, no, these things are actors. They are trying to get you.
1: <laughs> well, I also really like in my my Catholic program brain, it's the exact opposite of a, a sin. Because it's not a thing that's in you because you're horrible and disgusting. Like spiritual garbage, it's stuff that comes from the outside to fuck you up. So, like, there's space to reject it. I I like that. Yeah. I'm into it. Anyway, there's a lot of agency here. I, I like that a lot. I mean, I like anyway. I like Sicky a lot. I think it's a, a really gorgeous way to be in the world. Anyway, I also know that a major thing that six are known for around the world is longar or uh, this community kitchen that feeds anyone six or not. I. <laughs> My favorite, My favorite part of a sicky day in world religions is we watch the clips from this uh, BBC documentary that I'll, I'll give you a link to in the show notes. But Sonia Deal, who's the BBC presenter, talks about <laughs> the, the part where the Gurdwara makes lunch every day and everyone comes in, even the Irish builders and then I giggle because even the Irish are welcome. Gurdwara <laughs> is just some British colonial. Just I mean, I was going to say, in
0: parts in parts of, of the UK, that's a question mark. So,
1: like. I know, 100%. <laughs> I just appreciate the hospitality. Thank you for, for accepting us, <laughs> even though we're Irish. <laughs> anyway, in the US, which, as you know, is my easiest set of references, uh, <laughs> we've seen sick communities really support folks in need, uh, especially during the pandemic. I mean, they're doing this all the time, but I think they got more attention for yeah. how much work they were doing in the community during the pandemic, which I assume is related to sharing with others and eating together.
0: Yeah, you bet. Absolutely.
1: I love that. I, I just, uh, I love a snack. It's great. What's not to like about Siki? Anyway, so I've heard about Siki and I have taught about it often, even if I did say the Punjab all the time until about 10 minutes ago. Uh, often I hear about the 5Ks. Can we talk about those? It's our secret word of
2: the day. Shh.
0: Sure, but why don't why don't you take this one? I just did a numbered list. Your
1: turn. Sure. I'll do a numbered list. Number 1, cash uncut hair, uh which is usually kept covered uh by a dastar, uh known as a turban. Uh kara, an iron or steel bracelet. Kirpan, a dagger-like sword tucked into uh... <laughs> a strap, giving a, giving a, you... belt. Yeah, a belt. I yeah. Sorry. You need
0: know all of the Punjab
1: I don't e- I don't even test on this stuff because I very specifically don't make them um, memorize like factoids because it bugs me. Um, uh, Kerban, so it's a dagger-like sword tucked into uh, basically a belt. Kachera, which is a cotton undergarment. And Conga, a small wooden comb. Um, I think it is probably clear for many of our nerds that six are most recognizable by men who wear turbans. Although not just men... Uh, not just sick men wear turbans Uh, sick women also wear turbans sometimes and also lots of sick don't wear turbans at all we're going to talk about discrimination in a minute and we will definitely return to turbans and listen i i really don't care about summarizing all of sicky with these like bodily daily practices for many but not all six but i'm definitely interested in those bodily practices and how they have affected six in public to be honest the right to be in public being visibly religiously different so like wearing a turban carrying a ceremonial knife has been deeply and legally disputed in many places that six now live including what's now the united states and the united kingdom as you might imagine being allowed to do anything from playing sports wearing a turban to serving in the military has been extensively litigated because god forbid we just let people be humans while they're serving military states anyway uh the right to carry ceremonial blades also has been controversial especially because of racism and frankly islamophobia uh megan yeah
0: this is an episode about Sikki. so why did you just say islamophobia
1: um racism (laughs) yes yeah no we talked about this a little bit before already but uh we said on episode 106 and episode 204 that islamophobia doesn't just affect muslims six and especially sick men who choose to have uncut hair including beards and who wear turbans are often mistaken for muslims and yeah and in a, a post nine eleven context globally this is meant racialized and uh, that's meant that they've been racialized and harassed as quote unquote terrorists in fact uh on september 15th 2001 balber singh Sodi, a turban wearing bearded Sikh, was murdered in the first but certainly not the last hate crime understood as a retaliatory attack on uh, please hear all the scare quotes again those terrorists was responsible for 9-11 so Sikh's ability to practice their religion which for many includes beards and turbans small ceremonial lives uh, this has been deeply outrageously impacted by yeah, Islamophobia and more specifically the racialization of religion and religious hatred. So we will link to a really funny uh daily show bit with Hassan Minaj and our guest expert, Dr. Simran Jeet Singh, today, uh, among a group of other people. Other people were also there, but we love Simran the best. And they talk about being mistaken for Muslims and how they don't pawn that off or let that slide, or as Simran says, as Doctor Simranjit Singh says, six don't throw Muslims under the bus. It's great. Yeah, I
0: I love, I love that clip. It's really good. Yeah, it's super good. So in the U.S., we see real religio-racial profiling yep. around Sikh folks, sometimes in ways that's specific, like, I see a turban, I racialize you, mm-hmm. and mostly in ways that are general. Those foreigners, they don't belong. Yep. So, so far, we touched on Guru Nanak, the 5Ks. Mm-hmm. Yep. What else should I hit in our All Too Brief Sikhi episode?
1: You said that we were going to come back to text, which usually I am against, but you are not, given how many languages you read. (laughs) So very many. Uh, What do you want to say about text? Oh,
0: right. Uh, We don't do text that often on this pod.
1: (laughs) We don't. Well, I mean, text's famously
0: not an audio (laughs) medium. Medium. So it's rare. But okay, so when I teach about Sikhi, my students are usually floored to learn that the Guru Granth Sahib, again, the main uh, Sikh holy scripture is not just one thing. Actually, it's a collection of writings and teachings, which are poetic and often set to music. And it is thought of as the living soul of the guru. Right. So Guru Nanak, ten mm-hmm. gurus after him, and the the text is is this tenth guru. Usually, so they
1: all they all share the same soul, right? I've been doing that one right. Like the soul of Guru Nanak passes into the next guru, and then that collective soul winds up in the book yes yeah okay i'm just checking yeah what else have i been wrong about (laughs) that's a different podcast (laughs) megan's wrong about (laughs) coming soon to your podcatcher of choice
0: (laughs) i mean like there are different interpretations of that but i'm gonna give you a blanket yeah that's that's more or less correct
1: it, that's what the textbook told me. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, if the
0: textbook's not wrong, l- oversimplified, but uh, like, let's stay, in, let's stay in why I care about learning about okay. this text. And I think okay. I usually want students to hear that this text is primarily in Punjabi, again, this language that's tied to Punjab as a region, mm-hmm. but, but that it also contains verses in multiple dialects of Hindi. That's right, nerds. There's yeah. more than just one Hindi, Persian, and Sanskrit. Okay, so as a scholar of North India myself, the things I want folks to hear is how composite, complex, plural this region has always been. There is not one language, one ethnicity, nor one religion. And the Guru Granth Sahib is a really fabulous example of that, given its diversity, even within the text, even within linguistic presentation in the one singular text. The second thing I want to say about this text is that it's treated with reverence. This is not, um, this is not just like a book on the shelf. In gudwaras. It's our secret word of the day. Or sick houses of worship. The grant is the central feature and is usually raised like, it's usually like on a raised platform. So if you walk into a gudwara, there'll be like, a raised platform, a stage, and in the middle of that place will be uh, the, the, the holy text, the grump. There are rituals for people to make sure that they're in a state to touch the text itself, like washed hands, and um, many Sikhs will put the book on top of their head to show deference, right? Like the book is above my physical body, there's also rituals to make sure that the text itself is honored and comfortable, covering it with cloths and some gudwaras usually use, um, sorry, using traditional Indic symbols of royalty, like uh, a canopy over it to protect it from the elements, I suppose, and just to show respect. So the book here as this final guru is treated with reverence in the way that you might honor a living creature or a living soul or a living person. The last thing I want to say about text uh, is that I guess the content sick teaching center on justice, equality, mercy, and love.
1: I like love. That sounds nice. And this feels like as good a place as any to let uh, Dr. Singh, who is among the nicest humans I think I've ever met in my whole life, and certainly probably the nicest human to continue talking to me after he's met me. Uh... <laughs> I mean,
0: I don't want to say can confirm because that uh, is throwing you under the bus. I'll throw I'm myself not, under not, the bus. Not, okay. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I want to say again, I still can't believe he's friends with us, but I'm glad that he is. And let's let him introduce himself and give us some expert takes on Sikki. Hi,
2: my name is Simranjeet Singh, and I'm an expert on religion, race, identity, and justice. And I'm especially interested in how these issues show up in the United States, where I live currently, uh, and in South Asia, where my family hails from. My research primarily focuses on the early Sikh tradition, uh, which I also practice, and I also teach undergraduate and graduate courses on Islam, uh, Hinduism, and Buddhism, too. Uh, I care that people, students, scholars, listeners to this podcast, I care that they know about what I study because, as I discuss in my forthcoming book, I think Sikhi has some powerful insights to help us all deal with some of the most fundamental challenges that we're facing today. I often wish that people knew just one thing about Sikhi. Anything at all, really. Uh, this morning, someone biked past me and my girls in New York City and said Seth Akal, a common sick reading, and it made my day. Not because it was impressive that someone demonstrated some deep knowledge about my tradition, uh, but because he actually knew one thing, which most people don't. There's so many things that I wish people knew about Sikhi. If I have to pick one, I would focus on its primary tenet, uh, ik onkar, which refers to the fundamental oneness of the world. Uh, It's the first thing we learn as Sikhs. It's the first thing I learned from my parents. It's the first thing I taught my daughters um, about about Sikhi. And it's essentially this teaching that all of creation is interconnected and that the creator, a divine force, pervades all of these spaces of our world. And, and to understand this core teaching, I think is to understand what six are about, uh, because it informs our theological commitment uh, to overcoming the dualities of our lives and the disease of ego. So, so it's spiritual. Uh, it informs our ethics, our commitment to non discrimination and justice. So it's ethical. Ikhonkar it even informs our daily living, how we aim to live with integrity and with love and in service to the people all around us. Like every other religious tradition that I've encountered to date, uh, Sikhi has incredible diversity in how it's interpreted and practiced by those who follow it. Uh, there's a lot of consistency too. Uh, and in fact, that consistency is something I found fascinating. But let me share some examples of its internal diversity, uh, because I think that's an important perspective that helps us overcome our monolithic understandings of groups we don't know very well. So one really obvious example that comes up for me is around how Sikhs think about the boundaries of their religious identities. Some see the identity as extremely fluid. Uh, They might consider it possible to have hybrid identities like Sikh and Hindu or Sikh and Christian or Sikh and Jewish. Some see no problem with participating in rituals and practices of other traditions like Buddhist mindfulness, for example. On the other hand, some have more fixed understandings of Sikh identity, believing that it's not possible to cross such lines, right? They might worry about interfaith marriages or intermixing ideologies, for example. And while those two, right, the fixed perspective and the fluid perspective, right, while those are two examples of, of different perspectives of identity that, that fall on opposite ends of the spectrum, there are a lot of people who fall somewhere in between who have opinions on how appropriate or inappropriate it might be to have boundaries, And sometimes, as we often see with religious practice, uh, their outlooks might have logical inconsistencies, and yet they hold on to those perspectives anyways. And isn't that the kind of complexity of our humanity, not just of religion, but of religion too, uh, but our humanity, Right, the complexity that makes studying all of it and looking at it so fascinating. You know, based on my own readings and my own studies, Sikh teaches that divinity is equally present in every moment of time. Right? If we go back to this teaching of Ikonkar, it means that there's no such thing as an auspicious time or a holy day, a holiday. Right? And I love this reading of Sikhi because to me it reinforces the teaching of oneness. I do believe it's important to commemorate historical occasions and to have opportunities for us to connect as a community, right? and that has social significance, it has psychological significance, but at the same time, I don't believe there's a particular time that contains more divinity than any other moment of time. Now, at the same time, uh, pun intended, there are plenty of Sikhs who believe differently than me, who believe certain times are more significant than others, some see this on the basis of days related to the lives of the gurus, what we call right? days of birth, death, martyrdom, or other occasions that we celebrate. Uh, some see auspicious time on the basis of celebrations common in South Asia. Others on the basis of lunar cycles, for example. Right? There are all types of perspectives on how we think about the nature of time and what it means to us. Sikhi hasn't really been classified within the world of religions model, right? For the most part, it's been overlooked an oversight that's telling, given that when you account for its sheer magnitude, right, it's the world's fifth largest religion with nearly 30 million followers worldwide, right? That's an oversight. There's something interesting going on there. And it's also fascinating because Sikhi has all the quote-unquote elements that one would expect in the category of a quote-unquote world religion. It right, has a unique founder, a unique scriptural canon, a unique disciplinary practice, a unique worldview, unique rituals and ceremonies, unique places for worship and gathering. Right. If, if the world religions model was truly a neutral system of classifying what was out there in the world and what we observed, right, if that was true, then it makes no sense that Sikhi has been overlooked. Now, I first started noticing this in high school when I'd come across descriptions of Eastern traditions that would either overlook Sikhi or at best describe it as a blend of Hinduism and Islam. And so then I started looking forward to college where there would be more nuanced attention. Uh, but there too, Sikhi was folded into other traditions or ignored entirely, right? Including in uh, the seminal uh, book by Houston Smith, The World's Religions, which was the first that I read in a religion class in college and was like, oh wait, Wait, where is the chapter on Sikhism? There isn't one. It's, it's an addendum to the chapter on Hinduism. Right? It was so bizarre to me. Let me just share one example of the implications here. After college, I go to Harvard Divinity School to study Sikhi, and I was told there that even Harvard, even the most resourced university in the world, didn't have the resources to teach on Sikhi. And I was advised to study South Asian religions more broadly instead. So I guess the point is Sikki has been marginalized by the world religions model, and it continues to remain outside the archive, both in the scholarly and in the mainstream realms. Most of my expertise these days revolves around keeping kids entertained (laughs) during a pandemic. Um, So if anyone wants stories on that, I I have plenty of entertaining ones to offer. In terms of my work, I'd say one of the most telling moments came when I started to look for a topic to write about for my PhD, I was looking for something obscure, uh, which is what I thought a good dissertation is supposed to be, obscure. And I mentioned that to my advisor, uh, some ideas that I had that were relatively obscure. And he asked, well, don't you want to focus on something more central, something more relevant? And I did, of course, because I always saw my scholarship as being in service to people, but I didn't actually know how to do that. And in talking to him, and talking to my advisor, I realized through our conversation, something that I already knew intellectually but hadn't really registered fully, I realized that no Western scholar has written a major academic work on Guru Nanak, on the founder of Sikhi, in more than 50 years. Again, I, I knew that intellectually, I'd, I'd read those those books about Guru Nanak from from decades before, but I hadn't connected the dots, right? Like think about how many books come out every year about Jesus, about the prophet Muhammad, about the Buddha, right? And this realization to me revealed something important about how underrepresented Sikhi actually is. And in recognizing how astonishing this was, I also saw an opportunity uh, to fill a critical gap. And this has been a driving force in my own efforts to build awareness, to create equity, uh, and to share my knowledge with the world of Guru Nanak, uh, of Sikhi, and of the wisdom that I've drawn from the tradition. As I've come to expect with your podcast, you didn't miss much at all. Uh, the one glaring omission here, though, uh, is that you didn't give me much chance to be funny, which I know you want to hog that for yourselves so that you look cool. That's fine. Um... You two will sound like the fun ones. I'll be the boring one. That's fine. I am the dad here, um, but I guess the the loss really for your listeners um, is that they'll never get to hear the incredible sick puns that I had prepared just for our conversation. So now they're now they're lost to the universe, um, and all of us lose out. So so thanks a lot, Megan and Elise, for nothing.
1: As per usual, I learn from our friend Simran all the time. What I hear Dr. Singh saying is twofold here, I think. First, I hear him really calling attention to the inequity and really obvious systemic exclusion of Sikhi in every corner of how people think about religion, even in rich institutions. And second, I hear him saying that his work, and especially his upcoming book, The Light We Give on Guru Nanak and Sikh teachings, is specifically trying to change that and make it better.
0: I agree completely. I think it's really telling when a scholar of Sikhism and a Sikh himself has to convince people that a project on Sikhi is worthwhile. It's not like Dr. Singh is an old man (laughs) talking about the intellectual landscape of like 40, 50, 60 years ago. This is a guy in his mid 30s who had to convince senior scholars at Ivy League institutions, almost all of them still working, Mm -hmm, plural, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that his own expertise, his own experience, his own community is worthwhile. And Megan, forgive me, but I'm a shit on Americanists for a hot second. Yeah, Because when it's normal to be the 900th fucking person to study American Protestantism or allowed to think about hippie culture as religious and be given a full ride Ph.D. sponsorship to an elite institution, but it is challenging to study the world's fifth largest religion, even at Ivy League institutions that supposedly have limitless resources. We have a motherfucking problem, Houston, big time.
1: It's it's not great, Bob. It's not great.
0: Not even a little.
1: (sighs) But you know what is a little? A little bit, leave it. It's a little bit, leave it. It's a little bit, leave leave it. It's a little bit, leave it. A little bit where we're letting you know what we think the most important, most interesting, or most challenging part of the topic is It's a little bit to leave you with And today, my little bit leave it is I want us to pay attention to where the world religions model And it's BFF slash partner in crime, white European Christian imperialism Just move the fucking goalpost And I want you to hear that as a Bend It Like Beckham reference You are welcome
0: I love it when you know about, about footy I love it <laughs>
1: <laughs> Only because it was a stealth lesbian film. I will put it in the homework. I, I know. I, I know how you know. As we said, Siki checks all the boxes on the imaginary, but like also real forms that those dudes with the clipboards and the pens mm-hmm. fill out when they're looking for real religion. Historical male founder, central sacred text, central sacred site, Amritsar. I know like one thing about Sikhism and that's it. Uh, monotheism. But Siki still doesn't make the list most of the time. W.T. Actual F. Except we know what the actual F is, don't we, nerds? The actual F here is an I for imperialism.
0: It really is. And it's poop. (laughs) It's so poop. I guess my little bit leave it is that I want to underline some of the nerdy history that Dr. Singh laid out for us and quickly tie it back to some of our previous episodes. Dr. Singh said that classic works in religion omitted Sikhi or folded it in like cheese to Hinduism or Islam. As you know, my whole brain is 19th century imperialism of South Asia, and one of my
1: favorite facts... Oh, I want to confirm that before I move on. Your whole brain is, in fact, nineteenth century imperial India. Please continue. Yeah,
0: no, like I mean, that's that's at least ninety eight percent, at least. But <laughs> that I want to confirm football. Sorry, yeah, fold it in like little the little cheese.
1: Bit. Fold it in. Fold it in. I'm gonna
0: fold it in. So one of my fold it facts, in. This is this is a true fact too. I'm not gonna be able to get it without laughing or without cursing. So nerds, I don't know. This is me on my regular bullshit. So bear with me. <laughs> One of my favorite facts is that the first translator of a like English translator. uh, Well, not English in this case. Anyway, the first translator of the Guru Granth Sahib into an uh, European language. I shit you not. His name is Ernest Trump. Double P. Okay. Double P (laughs) who was German, but published in London, which is a whole other story of like Imperial bedfellows. Anyway, this particular Uh, Trump literally wrote and this is as close to a quote as I can get without pulling up my qualifying exam bibliographies, that (laughs) Sikhism would die out. He called it a, quote, waning religion if memory serves. So we've seen this, right? This idea that a minor religion is one that would perish. And we've seen these shitty white Protestant imperial scholars study these religions precisely to save them for history. Is there a direct line from this particular Trump double P to why Sikki is absent even in universities? Of course not. That's bad history. But I'll be honest, there is an indirect line, which is our whole point this season. That's what I'm leaving you with. The historical systems of oppression and racialization and religious categorization that connects that imperial 19th century to the ones that we have today. Which I guess brings us to... If you don't know, now you know. And if you don't know, now you know. The segment where we get one factoid each. All right, Megan, I've talked a lot this episode. I got excited about South Asia. I love it. Why don't, why don't you actually take our whole biggie segment? Okay.
1: Uh, one of my favorite facts about Siki is its emphasis on gender equality. No surprise there. Uh, Guru Granth teaches us that the divine equally values all people of all genders, that the divine is genderless, and that whatever way your body is, that's the right way for you to be. God, like Mr. Rogers, literally likes you just the way you are. And one of the ways this shows up in pop culture is through the modeling work of Harnam Carr, a gorgeous sick influencer who also happens to be a woman with facial hair. She is stunning, and you should check out her Insta.
0: It's a really great it, good stuff.
1: It is. She's gorgeous. And if you don't know, now you know.
0: And if you don't know, now you know. In that case, don't pack up yet, nerds. It's time for homework. Homework? What homework? As always, we've got citation, references, and other goodies, especially transcripts stash uh-huh. at keepingit101.com for every single episode. Check it out. All right, I'm going to I'm going to take the lead here. Just get in there.
1: You're so this, excited. You're so happy to be outside
0: the u.s and i'm so happy for you i mean listen as a south asianist (laughs) who also does like global intellectual history the amount of crap i have to know while you (laughs) americans get to know like atlanta georgia 1930 (laughs) and 1945 just that's
1: that's too early for me you know that i don't like to work before the 1980s
0: try (laughs) not to do murders but (laughs) fine just leave the rest of the world to us anyway First and foremost, read everything, nerds, that Simran Jitsing Mm -hmm, has mm -hmm. ever written. And we cited an inordinate amount of his work on episode 303, where he was also a star. And I'll copy and paste some of those... um wrecks into this week's show notes, but I'm not going to list them all. I'm going to give you all new sources. So this forthcoming book that he's got going is going to be incredible. Straight up, keep your eyes peeled. The light we give, the power of sick wisdom to transform your life is coming out in just a few months in 2022. A fan favorite in my home is Foja Keeps Going, the true story of the oldest person to ever run a marathon, um, which is a book for little kids, uh, and it's fabulous. Uh, Arvind's Paul Singh has a really good primer called Sikhism, a guide for the perplexed, which is pretty recent, um, and introductory, uh, Harjit Obroy that has this fabulous book, um, the construction of religious boundaries, culture, identity, and diversity in the Sikh tradition. So if you're interested in things like orthodoxy, how religions become religion, um, and what folks do to craft their own religious tradition, that's a book to pick up. That sounds good. I would be remiss not to mention Anna Bigelow's book, Sharing the Sacred, Practicing Pluralism in Muslim North India. It's not just about Muslim North India. It's a good one about overlapping traditions and peace movements at a very particular site in North India. I also love um, Niranjan Khalsa's work. Uh, but she's got a lot, but I'll, I'll recommend, uh, engendering the female voice in Sikh devotional music, locating equality and pedagogy and practice. She's a, uh, an ethnomusicologist. Then there's Deepa Ayers. We too sing America, South Asian, Arab, Muslim, and Sikh immigrants shape our multiracial future. So that is actually about the U S and it's not just about
1: Sikhi. I was going to say, I like that one. I have that one, but it has like,
0: has a lot of, uh, it's, it's accessible and it's, um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's there. And I'll link to some podcast interviews on that. And I'll be honest, I can't not cite a history. God Kim Kim uh, Wagner has a book on Amritsar called Amritsar 1919, An Empire a Fear and the Making of a Massacre. It traces the truly horrific yeah. um, British massacre of six at their holiest site in 1919, as the title suggests. Mm. And I'll link to a couple of podcasts for that, too. All right, I'll stop there. Otherwise, I'll just keep going forever.
1: I would like that. For once, I'm not the one giving the most homework. I love that so much. I get to give fun homework. Uh, so, as I mentioned, I have this uh, P- er, sorry, uh, BBC documentary about uh, the events of 1984 in Punjab, uh, in and around Sikh armed uprising and attempts to claim a homeland. It's really important and It is a space that I truly would not probably know about if I hadn't been forced to teach a world religions class. So it's a really well done documentary by a sick uh, BBC presenter herself, highly recommended we'll link to. Yeah, I Um, teach that
0: too. It really does teach very, very well for all of our nerd friends.
1: It really does. I like it a lot. Um. I want to echo your suggestion that they just read truly everything that Simran writes, but he also writes a whole really lot. So if you want a good place to start, uh, just go ahead and check out what he's been writing for Religion News Service uh, in his article of faith articles of faith column. Um, I also want to direct your attention to the piece that he wrote in February about the farmers' protests in India and the way that they grew out of sick experiences. Um, mm-hmm. So that's in time and really important, and we should. Pay attention to I don't know the largest protest happening in human history, possibly. Feel like something thing we should you know, like just pay attention to. And then all the other stuff I have is is a little bit fluffy. So you No, mentioned, it's not
0: fluffy. It's pop culture, which is it good. Is, it's a good that's balance. That's true.
1: We have made an argument too for the scholarly import and weight. Of popular culture. So I'll just stand in that. And say with my whole chest. I want you to watch Comedy Central. And the segment on confused Islamophobes. That we already suggested. That you look out for Dr. Simranjeet Singh. And also a number of other sick folks. Um, I made an offhanded handed It Like Beckham piece. But I think Bend it Like Beckham. Does a really good job. Of making sick characters. Complex. Interesting. Uh, not monolithic. Not cardboard cut out characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that. Also, there's football involved. Also, another joke about the Irish. It's such trash, <laughs> but it's in there. Uh, so that's a fun one. And then my other recent slash possible favorite is a novel called Jane Steele, which uh, was advertised as a misandrist murder mystery queer retelling of Jane Eyre which you would not expect to be at all about sicky, but surprise it actually is so much so that when I recommended it to Elise a couple summers ago she was like oh my god this is almost homework um (laughs) it's a
0: great book honestly I've read it I've like reread it because it's that and I never reread fiction and this was like I reread but when you recommended it and I was like hold up hold up (laughs) Uh Uh There is a sicky and South Asian subplot, and I am here for it.
1: And I feel like you would be in a better position to know than I would, but it felt really well-researched to me, which I enjoyed. Yeah, so it was good. um, So, high recommend Jane Steele by Lindsay Fay. Big thanks to those of you writing down reviews on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, and Google. It really helps. So our Nerds of the Week, those few we want to shout out today and send some love to directly, are... A plus top-notch fully work as per usual. Thank you. Anna and John Kara Shields, Confused Old Woman. This is their handle. I swear to God. And Hale 85
0: Yay, nerds. Yay,
1: nerds. We appreciate you.
0: Join us next time for more History of the World Religions Part 1 when we chat about Hindu traditions and are helped out by our uh, guest, Dr. Arumbrambat. Brambat.
1: Huzzah. Shout out to our research assistant, Alex Castellano, whose transcription work makes this pod accessible and therefore awesome. Need more religion nerdery? You know you do. And you know where to find us. Twitter. The answer is Twitter. You can find Megan on
0: Twitter at MPGPHD, and Elise, that's me, at P-R-O-F-I-R-M-F, or the show at Keeping It underscore 101. Find the website at KeepingIt101.com. Peep the Insta. Definitely drop us a rating or review in your podcaster of choice, and become nerd royalty.
1: And with that, <laughs> peace out, nerds! Do your homework. It's on the syllabus.
0: I guess you wouldn't understand what that feels like, would you? Jess,
2: I'm Irish. Of course I'd understand what that feels like.